to Disorderly Dogs, the podcast for dog owners. If you find yourself in precarious predicaments with your dog, this podcast is for you. I'm Rachel Harris. I'm a certified professional dog trainer, and I hope to give you a fresh outlook on your dog's behavior and practical dog training advice. everybody welcome back to another episode of disorderly dogs the podcast i am so happy to have you here um huge shout out to all you wonderful people listening to this podcast it has been a total delight to produce this podcast and share it with you guys and get your feedback so thank you so much for being an active participant in this podcast um the dog community is a pretty beautiful place and i'm really i'm really just so grateful to be able to connect with you guys. Um, I hope that you are well wherever you are. Um, you know, Tiva, Wayland, and I are we're doing pretty great in Colorado. The seasons have definitely changed. We've gotten some snow, which we just love. We love snow. So yeah, I hope that it's cooling off or warming up, whatever you prefer, wherever you live. Um, guys, if you live in Colorado, um, I do in-person training. And what that looks like is I come to your home and I teach you how to train your dog and then in follow-up sessions we meet in the world to kind of bring the training to real life scenarios. If you live in Thornton, if you live in North Denver, if you live in Westminster or you live in Broomfield, you are inside my service area. So um, that's a really fun way to work with me. Um, There are details about in-person training at my website, AGF dogtraining.com. So I hope you guys enjoyed the special Wednesday episode this week. Um, I am really looking forward to sharing my conversation about doggy daycares in today's episode. I love Instagram for so many reasons, but it's been so fun to connect with so many um, like-minded dog people out there, and it's even more awesome when you get to meet those people in person. So my special guest is Jenna Slutsky, and she is a Karen Pryor Academy certified training partner, and she is a trainer with Sabra Dog Training in Nashville, Tennessee, and I had the great privilege of meeting Jenna in person. Um, We took her hiking, and we had so much fun, and we talked all things things, dogs, and doggy daycares came up a lot. And I definitely had gotten some um, direct messages over on the Instagram from you guys asking questions about daycare. So I think that today's episode is going to be super duper informative. So if you like today's episode, do me a favor, share it with a friend so that they can get some use out of this podcast. If you like this podcast, I would be super grateful if you would leave me a review over on Apple Podcast. As always, if you have... Um, topic ideas, you can join the Facebook group, Disorderly Dogs, the conversation continues, or you can find me on Instagram at a good feeling underscore NCO. I love to hear what you want to hear about on the podcast. So let me know. Guys, enjoy this conversation. I'm sure you are well aware of CBD for dogs. I give Tiva and Waylon daily CBD just to promote their overall health. And we use VetCS. VetCS is a veterinary-based hemp therapy company, and they make products for not only dogs, but they also make cat and horse products too. Their products are lab analyzed, and they will give you unmatched customer service. We love VetCS, and we are so excited to share this wonderful product with our listeners. If you are interested in learning more about VetCS, you can head over to their website, vetcs.com, and you can use code DisorderlyDogs for 10% off your first purchase. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast. I'm here with my special guest, Jenna. And, you know, guys, we got to meet in person and we went hiking and it was so much fun. So I'm so happy that she's here. We talked all about this on our hike and I'm so excited to share this information with you guys. Okay, so um, the topic today is obviously doggy daycares. Um, and Jenna has worked in daycares for 10 plus years before she started training. So she is going to share all of her expertise and wisdom with us today. Okay. So Jenna, thank you for joining. Thank you for having me. Yes. Okay. So I think that we should start by talking about dogs that maybe are not a good candidate for doggy daycare first and foremost. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Because I meet a lot of those. Yeah. <laughs> Like, you know, there's no shame in that. I feel like people get really worried, you know, like, oh my God, I can't take my dog to daycare. What am I going to do with them? Guys, it's really okay. If your dog is not a good candidate for doggy daycare, there are plenty of other options and we will get to that. Okay. So, um, you know, some dogs that I think fall in the category in which they probably shouldn't be going to daycare would be dogs who can be extremely fearful of dogs, people, and or new situations. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. And it's definitely, I feel like a combination between misadvised and wishful thinking, um, where owners want their dogs to enjoy this social experience. And they think that exposing them to dogs in massive quantities and under professional guidance is the way to fill that gap for them. Uh, but it can do a lot more damage than good in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. And guys, I think that there's a big difference between um, careful planning, management, and socialization and flooding. And if you're not familiar with flooding, flooding is what happens when dogs are just so overwhelmed that they just don't even behave whatsoever. Okay. And I think that this is something that really presents itself in a daycare scenario, right? Because the owner's like, the dog goes to daycare. We've never had any issues before, but I think we need to dig deeper and really look at that. Is the dog actually interacting? Is the dog settling in the environment or is the dog just so overwhelmed that they're not displaying any behavior at all? Right. And I think one of the biggest uh, misconceptions is the dogs will almost always come home at the end of the day tired, which to the dog owner seems to represent that they had a wonderful time. They had the time of their life because they're snoozing the night away. But keep in mind that Dogs who are extremely stressed for long periods of time will also come home exhausted. So it's not necessarily a good time had that's giving them this good night's sleep. Dude, and that's such a good point, right? Like a tired dog is not always a happy dog, my friends. Okay. Sometimes a tired dog is so emotionally strained and drained that all they can do is sleep when they get home. So I think that there is a certain level of rest that you want from your dog, but they should not be sleeping for like two days straight after coming home from daycare. Yes, they yeah? should have hung over. <laughs> hung over. Exactly. That's such a good way to put it. Okay. So um, I think some other dogs that it's important that we really point out is that dogs who can be aggressive to other dogs, daycare is not necessarily your best option. Correct. That can put them and several other dogs in some situations. And unfortunately, over the last decade, I've had to escort too many dogs for my liking to the vet because 
we were misinformed or straight up lied to by clients or maybe it's a newly adopted dog and they don't know the information about them and they're just trying to see how they do. But bringing them to a daycare is not the way to determine whether this is a social dog that enjoys the experience. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So guys, if you have a dog who has acted aggressively towards other dogs on more than one occasion, daycare is a no-go. If you have a dog who has recently been adopted, unless you have like explicit information that the dog had previously been successful at a daycare, I would not take them to a daycare and not initially. Right. And that doesn't mean eventually when you get to know the dog that daycare couldn't be an option, but that is not only a risk for your dog, but also for all the other dogs at the daycare. Yeah. Okay, so um, can you give me an example, Jenna, of some other dogs who you think probably should not be going to daycare? I mean, when it comes to dogs that shouldn't be at daycare, uh, you, you already touched base on so many great things out there. But uh, other things that I can think of are dogs that are overwhelmed by new situations in general. Um, I think another myth that I'd like to consider debunked at this point is that daycare is a resolution for dogs experiencing separation anxiety. Yes, uh, yes. There are definitely cases where daycare has benefited some dogs with separation anxiety, but it's not a resolution for that problem. And in some cases, it's just as unhealthy for them to be with us as it is for them to experience that stress at home. Um Outside of that, you touch base on aggression, uh, dogs who have physical ailments. So dogs that might have hip problems, joint problems, might be a little older. They're not going to be as tolerant for uh, the, the club scene that daycare really is. Um, as a 30-year-old, I do not want to go out clubbing all night. And doggy daycare is the dance club for our dogs. So I like to really focus on dogs who I, I consider dogs that succeed in daycare extroverts. They want to socialize with all of the dogs. They are happy-go-lucky. And if your dog is just not really that into it, there are so many options out there for you. Yeah, for sure. Okay. And, and I love you describing it as the nightclub, right? Because it's so true, right? Like, um, and lots of dogs thrive in that environment, but a lot of dogs also would rather just be home alone. Yeah. So I think that that's definitely a decision that you have to make based on your individual dog. Okay. Yes. So, um, guys, you know, if your dog falls in the category of which dogs who we do not think should be going to daycare, Hey, there's great news. There are so many other options for you. Okay. So, um, a couple of options would be get one would be getting a dog walker to just come in the middle of the day and get the dog out. I understand that a lot of people work long hours, right? They work Monday through Friday. They work eight to 10 to 12 hour shifts. And I totally get that. But I think that a dog walker can be a nice option for dogs who maybe are not a good fit for daycare. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. And then I think another option would be a specialized day training program. So that can have a, a bunch of different facets, right? So that may look like a trainer comes to your house during the day and gets the dog out and does some training. That may look like a trainer hosts specialized day training, like at their training facility. Right. So, um, I think that those are some really good options. Um, we're super spoiled here in Colorado, y'all. There's so many hike doggy companies, 
right? So there, that's an option too. Um, Jenna, can you think of some other options in place of daycare? Um, outside of what you've mentioned, I hear in Nashville, we have, I, similar to the hiking, we have a few companies that go on hikes with the dogs here. We have uh, dog runners and uh, uh, dog bikers as well. So, um, you know, Huskies are really popular here for whatever reason. And there is a company here that kind of specializes in the breed and offers biking with the dog to really help burn that energy. Yeah, for sure. So guys, if you need help thinking of creative solutions for your dog, who is not a good fit for doggy daycare, um, join the Facebook group, Disorderly Dogs. The conversation continues because I think we can kind of pin some ideas and hopefully we can get somewhere in your area to connect you with someone for your dog. Yeah. Okay. So that leads us to dogs that are good candidates for doggy daycare. <laughs> okay. So Jenna, give me, give me some dogs who you think are a fabulous candidate for doggy daycare. So we already touched base a bit. Your friendly, exuberant, social dog that's going to enjoy all of those interactions throughout the day. They want to be physically healthy. We want them to also be responsive to cues. We need them to know some basics so that when they're away from their owners, the staff can keep them safe. Um, I don't know how many of you go to the dog parks. I see a lot of incidents occur at a dog park and the ratio is usually one or two to one as far as dogs to human go. And if you're looking at a daycare facility, the recommended ratio, which we'll dive into in a little bit, but is 15 dogs to one person. And that kind of blows my mind a little bit. That's a lot of, that's a lot of looking around. That's a lot of active supervision. And if we have 15 dogs that are non-responsive to their name, to recall, to basic cues, it can get pretty chaotic and dangerous quickly. Dude, that is such a good point that you bring up, guys. Like, you need to be doing your due diligence and reinforcing these behaviors outside of daycare so that your dog can be more successful in daycare. So a very long time ago, before I was a dog trainer, I worked at a daycare, and it was the most overwhelming, stressful job I have ever worked in my whole life. Seriously, 15 large dogs is a lot, people. And if your dog is going to be successful there and you want your dog to keep going to daycare, I completely agree with you, Jenna, right? Like these dogs need to have at least basic response to their name. Yes. At the very least, we need to be able to redirect their attention when maybe they're not about to make the best decision of their day. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So let's talk about age range for dogs, right? So um, what are your thoughts on puppies? So dogs like under the age of five months going to daycare? Personally, I'm not a fan. Just yeah. because just because that environment can get dangerous so quickly, when we have puppies, they're going through these critical developmental phases. And if something bad happens to them in that kind of social environment, that can really, I mean, yes, give them some emotional and physical baggage for the rest of their life but make life on the owners that much more difficult too, because now we might have a dog that can't be social with other dogs for the remainder of their life. And they're so young. It can be so traumatizing. So I think it can be a healthy energy outlet. And for that, I like it, but just because of the emotional baggage that can come with it, 
I do think it's best suited for dogs five months and older uh, with a cap on the other end as well, where I'm not going to be recommending this for dogs really over the age of four or five, depending on the breed. And even that might be a little generous depending on the dog. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. So something I see often is that puppies, young puppies under the age of five months are going to daycare and then they just get stuck in like the small dog side. And oftentimes the small dog side of doggy daycare is older dogs who don't want to play. And I just, I really don't think that it's a good fit, right? So um, dogs under the age of five months, I think you guys need to be utilizing dog walkers, um, day training, um, pet sitting, something like that um, until they're a little bit older. And like you're saying on the age cap, right? Like, I think that's probably surprising for a lot of listeners to hear that, right? Four or five, but I think that you're right. And I think that there's an exception, you know, to every rule. There are some Labradors and Boxers who stay jovial, young, crazy dogs a little bit older than that. But it's like, I I agree. I think that from six months to the age of like four or five is probably like the ideal age range for dogs going to daycare. Agreed. Yeah. Um, Okay. So now we know dogs that are good candidates for doggy daycare. So let's talk about how as the dog owner, um, we can be choosing a daycare because not all daycares are created equal, my friends. Um, There are some really, really bad daycares and there are some just like top of the line daycares. So I think that there's a lot of stuff we can be looking at in there. Right. And I know, I I think you mentioned when we were hiking that Denver actually has regulations for their daycare facilities. It might not be many, but I believe you're telling me that you do have to keep the 15 to 1 ratio there. Yeah, for sure. So that is the law, is that the numbers need to be 15 dogs to one person. But this, you know, that can shift. So if there's two people, there could be 30 dogs in a group. Right. Yeah. But yeah, so there are some regulations that way, but I think that, you know, it's still, it's still a lot. (laughs) Yeah. You still have a long way to go when it comes to creating a criteria for daycares to go by. Uh, Here in Nashville, there are zero regulations. All the daycare has to do here is have a business license and get approved zoning. That's it. And so I definitely see a lot of scary, scary facilities here and few that aren't, I consider unicorns. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So guys, that's super important that you need to be vetting these places before you're entrusting them with your dog's care. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I think that that leads us into group sizes. So I think that that's something as the dog owner, you need to know from the get, is your dog going to be loose in a group of 30 dogs? It can get dangerous too, because, uh, I've seen several facilities, uh, between working in Nashville, Chicago, uh, you know, Tampa area and Florida where they might have been kind of quote unquote properly staffed with a nice ratio of people to dogs. But if we have 30, 50 dogs in one space and there is an altercation, that's 30 to 50 dogs that could potentially join in. And that gets, yes, dangerous for the dogs, can cause injuries very easily, and also puts the handlers at a big risk to getting hurt too because somebody has to go in and break up that fight. So when it comes to group size, 
while I do like having that nice cushion of staff to dog ratio, I think it's just equally as important that they're divided by small groups. So I would never personally recommend having a group of more than 15 dogs to one play area. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I think that there is way too much room for error in a group of dogs more than 15. So that's definitely, guys, that's something you want to be looking for and ask that question. What are the group sizes, right? Okay, so um, I think let's talk about some transparency stuff that we can be looking for at daycares. So I know that a lot of daycares offer like cams, like dog cameras so that you can check in. I love that. I think that's fabulous because I think that that offers a level of transparency that's key to ensuring success in a daycare environment. I love it too. I love the idea of them being able to check in. I have seen it backfire in a couple interesting ways though, where I've certainly had several helicopter parents call in and asking favors, can you pick up Fluffy for the camera, which can be dangerous for that dog, mind you. Um, but also then takes the attention from the group to focus on one dog individually. I've also had clients, you know, oh, why isn't my dog in playgroup right now? And it really, you know, enjoy the cameras. Try not to dictate what the professionals are trying to do is really what it comes down to with video surveillance. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, guys, daycares, I think daycares are really trying to do their due diligence and be transparent. But I agree, right? Like you shouldn't be pushing the boundaries of what the staff is doing. And guys, as someone who has worked at a daycare and so has Jenna, know that these people are not being paid top dollar. Okay, like this is not an insanely lucrative career. So the fact that these people are showing up every day and doing the best they can for the groups of 15 dogs making minimum wage, maybe a little bit more of that at best, like keep that in mind, you know, because it's a lot to ask of a, a an employee who doesn't see gigantic paychecks to, you know, give your individual dog specific attention. <laughs> yes, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Okay. So I think that something else that's super important to ask is in the daycare scenario um, would be, do they do break time? Do they do nap time? Right. Because I don't think that it being a free for all all day long with lots and lots of dogs is productive by and large. I think you're right. There is, uh, there's the, the cage free, uh, trend, which, For certain environments, I am a fan of, but that also means that we're expecting a group of dogs to be able to simmer down and relax enough to actually get adequate rest, which is not entirely realistic in a lot of situations. So I do think it's important that there is at least a midday two to three hour break where dogs are resting if I had my ideal daycare program, dogs would be rotating out throughout the day for several breaks and then time in play group and enrichment time. Like there would be a pretty structured curriculum. But again, those are kind of unicorn facilities. Yeah, for sure. No, and I and I completely agree. And all of my clients, I, I, I'm always asking that, right? Like, should I take my dog to daycare? Maybe. Do they do breaks? Because rest is going to ensure that dogs are interacting as best as they possibly can. And, you know, 
I am very unpleasant to be around. I'm sure you could talk to my husband about this, but when I am deprived of sleep, I am not my best self. I'm probably going to be snarky. I may be combative, right? And that's true of our dogs too, right? So I think it's really important that whatever daycare you take your dog to is really open about the fact that they offer breaks throughout the day for all of the dogs. Yes. And on that same note, as important as breaks throughout the day are, I also think it's important for them to take breaks throughout the week. Um, I know a lot of clients who, you know, they work Monday through Friday, nine to five. They think that putting their dog into daycare five days a week, yes, you are going to have a tired dog at the end of each day, but your dog is going to get burnt out. Cause physical damage being that active so regularly. Um, so we would typically put a limit on our dogs to come Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Tuesday, Thursday, um, or even maybe even half days throughout the week, just to make sure that they are getting enough reset and decompression time away from the facility. Dude, that is such a good point, right? How often should you, should you be taking your dog to daycare? And I agree, five days in a row is an absolute no for me. Yeah. For every single dog. Okay. And I recognize that some dogs stay at daycare for like boarding. That's great. But if they're staying there for a week time, I think maybe a half day, a full day, a half day, like really being strategic about that so that your dog is not, I mean, can you imagine partying for five days straight at a dance club? Like, no. No, thank you. I don't want to do that. I'm sure you guys don't want to do that. And that is a lot to ask of your dogs, yeah. right? And something that I see happen really predominantly in adolescent dogs is that we create endurance monsters. Dude, dogs who can go and go and go for eight hours a day, five days straight. Guys, that is not a healthy schedule to build because yeah. you're not going to be able to maintain that without daycare. Nope. Right. There's no way. So I think that it's really important that we recognize that it's actually going to do damage not only to your dog, but it's going to create a huge, tall, almost insurmountable order for you as the owner if your dog is going and getting that much endurance playing five days in a row. That's so true, Rachel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, you guys, we know adolescent dogs can be whew, a lot of fucking work. We know this. We know this. We are with you. But five days of daycare over and over again is not your answer. Yeah. Okay. And guys, Jenna wrote an article on daycares, and I'm going to include a link to that in the show notes that you guys can read that for more information about everything we're talking about too. Yeah. Okay. So um, what are some other questions you think that um, dog owners should be asking daycares before they decide to take their dog there? I think one of the most important things that people can ask is staff qualifications. Are the facilities providing their staff with any sort of education on dog body language, on behavior? Are they pet first aid and CPR certified? Um, you'd be surprised how many facilities just ask that they be dog lovers and that kind of enough for them and it's really not unless you really can dissect what conversation these dogs are having with each other things can escalate and get very risky quickly so i think that making sure 
that the facility is being proactive and providing not only a baseline education, but ongoing education for their staff is important. And like you mentioned before, so many of these employees are getting paid minimum wage and the company might not necessarily find it worth it to invest that time money into providing that because it can be such a rotating door. Um, but I have found that when they are, now we have staff that's feeling confident, they're feeling comfortable, they stick around a lot longer, and they're going to have clients and dogs that are much better behaved and a lot happier because they know what to be looking for. And it's not just a rodeo <laughs> out there. <laughs> yeah, no. And that's such an important point, right? Because you need to know that these people at least have some sort of experience and understanding about how dogs interact if things were to go south. Because if not, you're putting your dog at a lot of risk. And, you know, daycare is not an inexpensive investment for people either, right? Like, you don't want to be put spending money on a scenario that could be potentially dangerous or detrimental to your dog either, right? So guys, these are questions that you need to be asking. And a reputable daycare will be honest and upfront about what they're doing to train their staff. Yes. And there's so many avenues that they can take. Some facilities might already be working with a trainer help their staff understand what's going on. There's also online courses. We were a big fan of the Dog Gurus and Fetch Find are both amazing companies that provide great details for their, uh, for their staff and have ongoing programs to help develop not only individual dog or one-on-one -on -one behavior with each other, but group play, which is such a different dynamic than just one dog playing with one other dog. Dude, yes. And I love those resources. And guys, I'm going to include those in the show notes links just in case you lovely people are listening, work at a daycare or own a daycare and you want to learn more because I think that those are fabulous resources for people. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So um, I think that something that is definitely a red flag is you need to be looking for... Um, well, I guess really the question should be asked, asked is what will happen to my dog if they act out of order, right? And what's going to happen to my dog if they're doing something really, really right? Because there have been a lot of headlines in the news recently about daycare facilities that without the owner's permission are using shock collars, pinch collars, choke chains, spray bottles, penny cans, aversive training techniques that we absolutely do not condone because we know from decades of research the psychological and physical damage that they cause to the dogs. So it's really important, guys, that as the dog owner, you're looking for those red flags. If you see squirt bottles, if they're using squirt bottles to break up dogs that are playing too rough, probably not the best daycare option. Yes. That's a, such a great point. I think spray bottles are probably one of the most common things I see used in a daycare. Uh, yeah, citronella collars. I've been seeing a lot for dogs that are excessively barking. And what it comes down to is if they are feeling the need to use tools like this in an aversive way, is that dog truly a candidate for daycare? Yeah, 100%. Chances are that dog doesn't have a strong recall or his manners aren't quite up to par socially as they need to be. So, yeah. Yeah. And guys, you know, you've heard me preach on this before, but 
it's very important that we're addressing the underlying cause of behaviors and that we're not punishing the surface behavior. And I think that in the context of a daycare, I think that it gets really easy to default to punishing surface behavior. It's not your dog. You don't make a ton of money, but it's important that daycares have have systems in place to manage this stuff, right? So um, when I worked at a daycare, for the short amount of time that I worked at a daycare, um, we had a policy and we used a no reward marker when the dog was doing less than desirable behavior, right? So say a dog is consistently like pinning another dog. We used a verbal cue, uh-oh, and that dog was removed from the scenario and given a short timeout. I don't think that that's the best way, but at least as the staff, we had that option in place. Right. So that's definitely a question you need to be asking, right? Like what is going to happen to my dog if they are not doing what they're supposed to be doing in that scenario? Right. And also is there verbal praise? Is there access to reinforcement of some kind? Right. Like I think that that's important because if you're entrusting your daycare staff with your dog day in and day out, you want to be sure that your investment's going to be paying off for you outside of the daycare realm. Absolutely. You know, we, we did a similar thing at the last daycare I was a part of where we would have, um, we had several management plans in place for undesired behavior. We would start off by asking for a nice recall, call them over and reward them for that. If that was ineffective in the moment, they'd go for what we called a happy walk where we would put them on lead with us and redirect them that way. And then we would regain their focus while they're with us using treats and verbal praise. And once they seem to have calmed down, we re-release them and give them another go. And if they really can't handle themselves or we find ourselves going on a lot of happy walks during the day, then we're going to put them in a room to decompress with some sort of mental enrichment like a stuffed Kong or a bully stick or a puzzle toy to really just get them back down to planet Earth where they need to be to thrive in group again. Yeah. And guys, there's a big difference between a careful management strategy and just putting a dog in a crate for a long extended amount of time. Right. So that's definitely something you want to watch for, because while I'm a fan of crates and I'm a fan of breaks, I think that there is definitely the risk for overuse where a dog is spending two hours in a crate because the staff member doesn't want to deal with them. Right. So you want to be super careful about that stuff and really watching and recognizing and asking those questions. Right. And if your dog is consistently in, quote unquote, timeout, whatever your daycare is calling that. I think that that's probably a really good indicator, Jenna, like you were talking about earlier, that daycare probably is not the place your dog needs to be during the day. Sure. And hopefully the daycare that you choose, if they're following under all these categories we're talking about, is also going to be transparent with you, the dog owner, about any problems that your dog is having in the facility. Um, That way they are able to either ask for assistance on your end, does your dog need some additional training outside of dog daycare? Does your dog only need to be coming certain days of the week where they're more compatible with the play groups that are there those days? Or perhaps only a half day because they seem to get burnt out and cranky towards the end of the day? Um, you know, there's so many different options out there. And I think it's easy for staff and facilities to just pawn the dog off because, oh my gosh, we're almost so sick of dealing with them today, only to have to deal with them day 
in and day out without having these conversations. And it's just as draining and unhealthy for the dog as it is for the staff, as it is for the dog owner, because they're not getting really important information that they need to set their dog up for success. Um, there was a facility that closed here not long ago, and we inherited many of their clients, and we had to fail a large percentage of them because we didn't think that they were good daycare candidates. And it just blew some of these owners' minds because they had never known that their dog had any sort of issues. And it came as a complete surprise to some of them. I'm sure we were the bad guys. But really, at the end of the day, we need to have the dog's happiness, safety, and health as our top priorities. And if we can't guarantee all three of those things for the dogs in our care, we have no business caring for them. Dude, and that brings up such a good point about how, you know, I preach about communication between you and your dog, but communication between you as the dog owner and the doggy daycare staff is paramount, right? And I know that a lot of daycares in Denver, they send home like reports after each and every visit, right? The dog was successful at this. The dog could use some work at this, right? And matching up dogs who they do really, really well with, guys, and doggy daycares that deserve your money and deserve you trusting them with the care of your dog are going above and beyond for you. They're sending those reports. They're taking note of dogs that they get along really well with, that they should be in groups with again, right? So all that stuff is super important that you should be asking those questions before before you decide to take your dog to a daycare. Yeah, I would much rather have to have several small, awkward conversations with the client than one day have to call them up and say, hey, we're on our way to the emergency vet. Yeah, for sure. And guys, you know, I think that as the dog owner, it's important that you're not putting yourself, your dog in a situation where you are asking the doggy daycare staff to either tell you nothing because it's not going great or have to have awkward conversations, yeah. right? Like it's not fun. It's not fun for any of us, but like you're saying, like those small awkward conversations can save a dog and owner from, and staff from a lot of heartache. Right. And I think the point you bring up about like, you know, dogs that you had to fail going into a new daycare setting that's that's so heartbreaking that there wasn't enough communication that the dog owner had no idea. Sure. Right. And facility is different. And I'm pretty sure we're about to dive into the facility aspect of things, but every facility is different. So, you know, ours was a bit smaller than the facility that closed down. So we're just not able to take in as many personalities and as many special accommodations as some of these did where perhaps their previous facility was able to accommodate that. For us, we you have to know your face and know the dogs in your care and selectively choose who is going to be a good match. For sure. Okay, so let's talk about setups in daycares. Okay, so every daycare is going to look differently. There's going to be a fenced-in area inside. There's probably going to be a fenced-in area outside. But let's talk about maybe some red flags, right? So I think that one would definitely be like a sterile space with nothing inside of it. An mm -hmm. empty room is definitely not conducive to healthy play for 15 dogs. No, there's no enrichment there at all. Um, while, yes, the dogs are there to play with other dogs, this should be an enjoyable space designed for dogs, not just a place 
to shove them all into. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So I think that like, um, seriously guys, like little kid, like playgrounds could be a really good like thing in the center of the room. Right. I think depending on the, the dogs and the group and the setup, I think that toys can and cannot be a good addition. Um, it'll definitely depend on the daycare. I know that a lot of daycares don't do food rewards because of the risk of resource guarding, which I totally understand. But again, stuff you need to be looking at and watching for right on both spectrums. Like they don't use food. I get that they use food and maybe it's getting a little dicey. Right. So I think that those are both things that you need to be looking at. Yeah. Um, outside of that, uh, making sure that you are allowed to tour this space. Um, Huge red flag would be if they're like, no, we don't offer tours. Now, I think that there's a time and a place for them. Some facilities are laid out to where you could walk in and take a tour and it's no big deal. Um, I consider it just as big of a red flag if they are willing to bring you into a group of dogs. And I have to say that because I've worked at two facilities where that was a thing and it was so stressful for the dogs and the people. It got chaotic and loud and it couldn't have made a good impression on the client at all. Um, And it was just bad for everybody around, but you should always be able to tour. It might not be able to be on a walk-in basis. They might have designated times. It might need to be by appointment only, but you should always be able to tour the space at some point. And I highly recommend you do so so you can look for these things and ask these questions in person. For sure. And I think that there's a certain level of sanitation that you should definitely be looking for. Yes. Right. not smell like feces or urine. It shouldn't have an overly dog smell. I'd like to think that a, a well sanitized facility should smell like your vet's office. It should absolutely smell like animals are there, but it shouldn't be overwhelming or offensive in any sort of way to you. For sure. And then guys, when you're filling out paperwork, there definitely should be questions about vaccinations. That's super important right? That dogs are up to date on vaccinations, um, the risk of contagious diseases and stuff like that really goes up when there's that many dogs coming from different places in the same area. So, you know, they should definitely ask for proof that your dog is up to date on vaccinations. Yes, absolutely. Um, outside of, as far as the facility goes, um, you know, we, we touch base on, equipment, there should be rest areas. Additionally, um, you know, we, I'm I'm a big fan of beds. They're easy to clean. We don't have to do a million loads of laundry at the end of the day. Um, But there should be places for your dog to get away from the commotion and go take a quick snooze, even if it's not the designated rest time where they would spend in the crate or in the kennel. For sure. For sure. Oh my God. I feel like we've touched on some really good things that dog owners can use. Okay. So Jenna, give us your final thoughts on daycares. Oh gosh. I could go on about this for, uh, (laughs) um, final thoughts in a nutshell, make sure your facility is doing evaluations. Um, make the evaluations are a slow, but full day process or a half day to full day process. Um, a five minute interview is not going to be enough to determine whether your dog is a good candidate. I have never met a dog that acts the same five meeting them as they do five hours after meeting them. 
So making sure that they're doing evaluations, making sure you're seeing the transparency, and really at the end of the day, despite everything we've talked about to make sure we're setting your dog up for success is understanding that regardless, this is a risky luxury for your dog. There are contagious diseases, and despite being vaccinated, your dog is likely at some point to get something like canine cough or giardia or puppy warts. These normal things where if you sent your child to school, they're going to come home with a cold, they're going to come home with the chicken pox. All of the things kind of overlap, and please be standing about that. It's a communal place for dogs and things will get passed along. But again, as long as your facility is open and honest with you about what's happening, it should be okay. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So Jenna, if people want to connect with you, where can they find you? Ooh, uh, well, they can find me on Instagram. I'm at napping with dog on Instagram. And currently I'm with the amazing team over at Sabra Dog Training. That's S-A-B-R-A Dog Training. And you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, the thing. Love it. And guys, I'll include links to all of that in the show notes. Jenna, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me, Rachel. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to learn more about us, please check us out on Instagram at a good feeling underscore in co. You can also find us on Facebook at a good feeling dog training, as well as our website, agfdogtraining.com.